Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show, Interview with an Atheist. Today, I have Steve. Steve, you there? I am indeed. All right, Steve. Uh, you are an atheist, correct? Yes. All right. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about uh, where you grew up and uh, the life you've lived as a child. Um, born and bred in a town called Colchester in Essex. Um, went to a C of E school. Infants, juniors, and seniors, they were all part of the same, uh, the same group. C of E, uh, that's uh, Church of England, Church right? Of yeah. Um, but we were given religious studies as part of our education at each of the three schools. Can you describe uh, uh, religious studies? What was what was that like? Well, it was a long time ago now, but, <laughs> but basically you were taught about parts of the Bible. But uh, again, as I say, it was a long time ago. The uh, funny thing is, I came across a while ago a picture of myself and my other school mates when we were in the infant school, the first school, um, as part of the nativity play, um, where I was a shepherd. You were the shepherd. I was one of the shepherds, yes. And uh, as only, just looking at the picture, I can remember it, so I can picture the school and everything. But... Um, that took part in every school as you went through the different um, levels. Yes, my, um, my, my kids are in school now and they, they do the same thing. And there's It's always a nativity play and everyone either plays a tree or a cat or a dog or a sheep or a moose or some random yeah. animal. Exactly. They've got some weird um, bits and pieces they bring in there, don't they? They do indeed. <laughs> can you, can uh, you tell me about um, uh, your family and friends, maybe the street you grew up on? What, what, it, what it was it like? Um, my earliest memories was uh, a cul-de-sac. That's a sort of a dead-end road with houses down either side. Um, there were lots of other children in the cul-de-sac. It was built on a new estate. Um, and a number of them were all of the same age. And because of the location of the school, we all went to the same schools. Um, those three schools, whether you was in the infants, juniors or seniors, you all travelled in the morning, whether you was in either one of the schools, with all the other children going to all the other schools. So you literally grew up with everybody, regardless of the year. So you um, had kids that were, say, five, six, and seven yeah. on a on a bus. Well, we used to walk. Everyone used to walk then. Oh, uh, um, walking yeah. with 18, 16, 17, 18-year-olds to school. Um. Yeah, they, we were leaving at 16. The oldest would have been 16. And the youngest would have been, as you say, at 6, 5 or 6. But everyone was heading in the same direction. Because all three schools, you could throw a stone from each one and hit the other. You know, they were that close to one another. All right, all right. So, so literally, as you got to the end of school road, you either went first left into the infants, first right to go into the uh, juniors, well, you carried on a little bit further between the two when you was in the seniors. They were literally all there. You all right. Could, when yeah. you was playing one playground, you could see the kids in the other playground. You had something to look forward to when you moved yeah, from you, one school to the other. Finished, exactly. When you finished that school, you was going to that one over there, the other side of the fence. Did, um, let me ask you this. Did, uh, now you described the, the, little bit of an introduction in school itself with religion. Uh, what about your home life? Did you have uh, religious parents or aunts and uncles, maybe a grandparent too was religious that may have may have tried to interject that into your, your daily activities? Um, uh, no, I think it would be the best one. That was never forced upon us um, in any way. Um, I since... Um, I mean, they're all dead now, uh, including my parents. But um, my mother had um, a very large old Bible, which I believe was my grandmother's before that. And my grandmother was... Uh, it, it was never shown, but I, I suspect she was probably the most religious one out of the family members. Um, but the weird thing is... I was using this Bible, it sits behind me now, as I said here, um, to look through certainly the book of Genesis that I was looking into. And I thought, I oh, know, I, 
I don't know why, I thought, let's have a look in the book of Revelation. I turned to the back of the Bible, and for whatever reason, the whole section has been ripped out. And I don't know why. Seriously? Yeah. Now I'm assuming that was me nan. I don't know why. I have no idea. You think you think your grandmother, who you yeah. believe was the most religious in the family, actually ripped yeah. out revelations yes. from the Bible? Yeah. Why do you think she would do something like that? Well, she uh, she used to read um, um, particular books. Um, for example, there was a series referred to as Upstairs, Downstairs. And that was about like the difference between the upper class who were in the upper part of the house who had servants that lived in the lower part of the house. And that, that was where she first worked. She was in service, as they, were called, as they called it. Uh, where she would, you know, she'd wash their clothing, she'd iron their clothing, and she'd stay in that lower section of the house, so they never really got seen. And uh, she used to read the books that were brought out in the 70s. And um, the woman who'd written the books, she used to put a lot of swear words in. And well, again, my grandmother, she was reading the book, no one else was. She would actually scribble through the swear words. And I always thought that was a bit strange because she was the only one reading them. But we found out the book she was reading at the time. And as you flick through them, she'd actually ink through the words, crossed them out. She was clearly not um, a fan of uh, no. that kind of language. No, but that was just... And I'd never thought my name was never never come across like that with us when we were, when we were children. She never spoke about that those thoughts she never spoke about the bible to us but there was something there but uh, and i've only discovered it in, in recent years now that they've all passed away what what did you discover well like i said with the bible it sits behind me i went all that ripped out ah and i've got one there's there was six children in my mother's family and my mum was and there's only two of them left now. Now one's not that well, but the other one, my aunt, my remaining aunt, she still has memories of some of the things. She was surprised when I told her, did you, you know, I said, did you realise that the book of Revelation was ripped out the back of that Bible? Because that was kept around her for a little while. And she had no idea. And we both sat there and we, we both we just thought, I reckon that was Nan that did that. But we don't know why. Well, I would, I would never have guessed that. I, I, I grew up with loads of religious people, and absolutely none of them uh, enjoyed uh, the, the, the uh, vulgar language, as it were. And you know, to 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 to, to go even further, um, a lot of them would avoid the the ideas, especially in Revelations. You know, when it when it goes into great lengthy detail about. You know, all the horrible things that you will find in hell and all the horrible things that will happen to people. Uh, they yeah. didn't talk about it, but they certainly would never actually consider just ripping the pages out so they didn't have to see them. <laughs> I don't know. It's just um, strange for there. <laughs> was, uh, would you say that she was the only individual in your life growing up during that time period who would have had or could have had a religious influence on your worldview? If anybody, yeah. But she was the only one. My parents never. They were never regular church goers. We never, the only time, a bit like now, the only time we'd ever go to church, and that would be if a friend was getting married or a relative or a friend was um, being, uh, had died and we were going to the funeral service. Or, per, so, or perhaps a christening or something like that? Blimey. I'm trying to think of the last time I ever went to a christening. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. Ask her a question now. I can't even picture going to one. Not for years. Years and years. Wow. So yeah, you can... I don't, I don't think many of my family or friends ever bother getting their children christened anymore now. That is interesting, especially considering that's, that's, uh, that's, it's almost cultural. In England, as opposed to religious? Yeah. But, um, no, I can't, cannot remember the last time I ever went to a christening. So you would safely say that growing up 
there was no religious influence in your life and do you, do you think that's the major part of what caused you to never develop a uh, fascination or a, an attraction to religion as a whole and um, well i suppose so i just i never we were taught that at school i mean we had the lessons on it we used to have to sing the laws well, go through the Lord's Prayer and assembly. Um, uh, but there was, I suppose I never, during those education days, I never really um, had any reason to question it, I suppose. And I just got on with my life, but I never went to church. Did you ever consider that um, uh, something serious that you needed to, to really think about and ponder? Did you take seriously at any point any lesson from the hymns or any lesson from the church or any uh, anything that was in the religious studies courses? Did you ever, like, sit down and contemplate whether or not it was true or whether or not it would have a reflection or meaning in your life? Well, that's the thing. It wasn't until some years later um, when I'd left school. I was in further education. Um, so I think I told you the story where we had a, a, a lecturer who used to take us for general studies. And just a free time, really. And this chap would turn up every so often. His name was Herr Muller. And um, he made, he suggested I read a certain book, which was at the time Char Chariots of the Gods, which I did. But then as we come to the end of the term, he suggested reading um, this, I've just got the book here, actually. It was The Spaceships of a Sea Kill by J.F. Blumrick. And that was the one that made me start, started me thinking, well, it sounds like a major event happened then, but then I started thinking, was it the work of a spiritual God? And um, certainly when you read this book, um, it's in the opinion of Mr. J.F. Blumrick that um, we were visited. But then as I started looking at other things, again, it made me think, Something happened, but not the work of a spiritual god. So I, I said to this the other day, um, the Bible is um, detailing a major event in the Earth's history. But again, as I say, it's not as it's making you, or leading you to believe that it's that uh, the work of a spiritual god. So you don't think it is, you think it's something else that happened and that the, the, the individuals who wrote the book, uh, and also consider that the, the Old Testament and New Testament uh, stories, the, 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 the information contained therein, those two books, is probably uh, what, 1,500 years difference. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a huge gap. But you think there's some kind of correlation between those two books and not something spiritual, but something else. Yeah. Can can you tell us? Can you tell us about that? What 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 what's your view? Uh, my view is that the the planet was definitely visited. Um, but uh, when I mention this to um, people who do have a religious tendency, um. Yeah, when I say it's visited, the first response normally is what we're little green men. And you might have to point out to them, no, and my belief they were the same as us. They look the same. But then they don't, they can't, because they've been brought up through religion and led to believe that it's all the work of a spiritual God, they can't accept that view. There's, with me, I can't accept the view that it was a spiritual God, but I do believe we were visited. Okay, well, the, the question the question would come to mind, I'm sure, to some, that what you're saying is that you're, you would you believe that the Bible would be evidence as an extraterrestrial visitation, but not evidence for a God when a God is what the Bible claims. So I'm, I'm sure someone who would be listening as an atheist would say, well, how can you make that claim? How can you dismiss the evidence for the God easily, but yet at the same time accept the evidence 
that it's for uh, extraterrestrials or aliens or something like that. With there's there's sort of a there there should be a wall between accepting it as anything. If you dismiss dismiss it, it should be dismissed as a whole, not just parts. What what would you what would, how would how would you counter that? Um, it's the way it's um, interpreted, or um, it's tough to explain, really. Um, if it's written about, if it, and if it's written at the time, people are taking notes at the time. They would describe what they're seeing or what they're experiencing based upon their understanding and knowledge, which wouldn't be that great. I mean. If the same things were to happen today, we would be able to work out how it's happened, why it's happened, but because we've become more advanced. But at the time, the way they're describing it is based upon their understandings. I'm reading what they've described, but reading it thinking how we would try and interpret that now. Um, I don't know which is the best way to, or best example to give of that, really. Um, well, also keep in mind that uh, we we have you know, almost every person, you know, on, on the planet's got a phone, and the phone's got a, a camera in it, and they can record, you know, HD full motion video of if an yeah. alien ship were to come down, whereas back then, exactly. not only would they not have been able to uh, record it in any way, they would have difficulty even describing what they saw. Whereas we could do it quite easily, as we have spaceships, so we can just say spaceship, but they didn't have the word for spaceship. No, exactly. Um, I mean, this is a section, for example, for example, this is from the book of the prophet Ezekiel. Um, and he, he, it says, As I looked beyond, oh, as I looked, behold, a stormy wind came out of the north, and a great cloud, the brightness round about it, and fire flashing forth continually, and in the midst of the fire, as it was gleaming bronze. That's just a straightforward description of what he's seeing. So you but, don't think it's possible that he could have just simply been high, because I've I've heard some people <laughs> describing things when they were high, and it was it was it was quite insane. It was quite insane. It sounded like maybe a spaceship or something they were flying. Yeah, on. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean it goes on. The next section says, "And from the midst of it came the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance. They had the form of men." Have you read the um, or any? Now, is this this is from the Old Testament, correct? The Hebrew Bible. Yep. Have you read any of the New Testament or perhaps Quran that might have supported or corroborated that story that it was aliens instead yep. of? I have the Quran here, but I haven't gone through it to the extent to find anything like that. I spoke the other day and said, um, I've got to perhaps read um, the Book of Enoch again, which is one of my, I believe, in my personal opinion, is the most important book in the world. But um, And to look through that, read through that again, and see if there's anything in there that could link it with, as you say, uh, the Quran. To link it with anything else. All right, have you... have? Would you say that you've had any personal experience with um, aliens or alien spacecraft? Nope. Do you know anyone who has? Nope. <laughs> what, what, if someone were to tell you that they did, um, would your belief that the Bible or the Old Testament describes what appears to be, uh, from your perspective, aliens visiting, if someone now were to tell you that they did have an experience with aliens, would you believe them or accept their story based off of your uh, belief in what the Bible says? Um, no, I wouldn't. Because, um, again, um, if there's been so many alleged sightings of um, alien crafts, um, they're not close enough to make such frequent visits, in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, it, um, it took a long time from between their first visit, um, 4,000 years before the birth of Christ, to their second one, which was around 30 years before the birth of Christ. Um, 
I would also point out um, something I've noticed is that they're normally here because obviously they're not going to travel for a long period of time to get here and just take some earth samples and disappear again. Um, they're here for about 60 years in total when in both their visits, the first visit and then their second visit. The reason I've, I've come to that period of time is because Enoch was writing for them 30 years before the birth of Christ. And then you've got the duration of Christ's life, which I think he was about 33 or 34, they say, when um, we nailed him to the cross. So they're here for a period, quite a long period of time. They don't make these regular little trips backwards and forwards to the wild planet. So what you're saying is Enoch wrote consistently for a 60-year period? Uh, yeah, well, it... it it, the, the writing changed over, I think it was, um, uh, I'm not sure whether it was, that was his son, who was Noah's father, uh, took over some of the writing towards the end of the book. But yeah, the, the first so thing that pops into my head was that if, if he wrote for a 60 year time frame, it looked to me, and, I'm, and I haven't, haven't studied the material like you have, but it looks to me like he was writing his whole life on what he was seeing then, and then he died. Yeah. Because <laughs> his son took over. His yeah. son was on the last part of the book. There's a section in the book, I can't remember, because I haven't been through it for a little while. Um, but his son took over the writing of the book and started describing things. I was just looking through my notes that I was taking. Um, and uh, I did, um, I, I did have it here just now, but um, now we would have had uh, civilizations in South America, the Incans and the Mayans. Uh, we would have had civilizations in China, as well as now. Do you know whether or not they have any uh, supporting stories of visits there during that time period in any of the? Uh, archaeological evidence or, um, or writings that they may have left behind during those same time periods to su to support that that claim. Not that I'm aware of at the moment. No, no. This is based all around um, uh, the Bible and the birth of Christ, basically. The reason I ask that now, the reason I ask that is um, in in many atheist circles, uh, one of the pieces of evidence that uh, atheists like to point at, or non-believers like to point at, is the fact that when you go through the the three main holy books, the Hebrew, Christian, and uh, Muslim Quran, that the stories center around the creator of the universe, yet rarely leave a probably 200-250 mile radius on the map which is absolutely minuscule, you know, a small, tiny fraction of a percent of the landmass of this planet. And so it seems a bit unbelievable that these, these miraculous happenings occurred in that small area. Now, yeah. if, you re if, it, it, if you replace that with a, um, a more a materialistic, explanations such as uh, it wasn't uh, great spirits or a great spirit that visited it was aliens which is more probable than a great spirit but still we're we're lacking a, a vast amount of evidence to support that but if that's true can you explain how different your claim is to someone who's claiming uh, that it was the creator of the universe by by stepping outside of those bounds, because essentially you're working off the same books, and the same books make the same claims in the same location. So would aliens really have come to just the Mideast with other civilizations who were far more advanced than just some ancient goat herders who were walking around fields watching, you know, goats and sheep just poo, whereas, you know, you have in the Chinese were... Were, were far more advanced, the Mayans far more advanced, and, and, and there they must have been other civilizations that were uh, technologically and mathematically more advanced than 
than just sheep herders. So why would you expect they went there instead of scouring the earth for the most advanced uh, civilization and then introducing themselves at that point, that location or even multiple locations? Um, it links back to the first visit. Wherever they landed on their first visit um, was where the problem stemmed from. Um, they wanted, um, I'm assuming, see my view is that they left someone here and they shouldn't have done. They broke the first directive and that person was Adam. He shouldn't have been left here. Um, so on return to their land, their, their planet, they've reported the fact they've left Adam on Earth where there's humans already evolved on the planet. This would, you know, this is, we're not, we, we always talk about the first directive, but we come across a planet where there's life on it. We even now, with trips to Mars, they're saying, should we actually alter anything there? Because there is signs that there could be life there. And as they refer to it, should we be playing God? Anyhow, they've come back to the same spot. They're not going to expect it to have moved on anywhere else. It's going to be in that same area. That was where the problem lies. So that was why they contained it in that area, and they wanted to contain it in that area. They didn't want their balls up, of, um, leaving aliens on the planet and in there, um, breeding, if you like, with uh, naturally evolved human beings, which is what was happening. So um, what you're saying is that the, 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 the character of Adam from the ship they didn't yes. expect him to move from that area in 4,000 years. Yeah, correct. How how would you... They would. Adam would have liked to have done, because um, I think Adam saw an opportunity to um, have the planet as his own. I mean, there's a section in the Book of Enoch, um, and I'm just trying to read through my notes, and I bet you like, I won't be able to find it. <clears throat> who Who is like Enoch? Folk. Pardon? Who is Enoch? Enoch was their scribe, as I said. Um, but this is the bit I wanted to quote. Ah, oh, here it is. Here it is. Um, <clears throat> um, I've made the comment in my writings here that perhaps Adam saw uh, this as an opportunity to start the, uh, the process. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, section 24 starts with, He drove out the man. Um, and I'm thinking, uh, he's he's left on a planet, got himself a, a woman, I mean God didn't want to, but well the person they refer to as God, should I say whoever was in charge of that trip um, and he's seen an opportunity this could be his world he could make differences on his world and have it as his own and has he? Um, well that's what he's tried to do they did come back and there are sections in the Book of Enoch where he's being shown visions where they're actually disposing of people into volcanoes, ones that have been marked, including their own fallen angels. Because they're trying to wipe out their, I suppose they would, they, if you think about it, they would try and revert us back to how we were before they landed. So when the religious claim that um, something like this would have been God getting rid of the, uh, the, the, the sort of angel-demon-human hybrid creatures yeah. that were made when the, the book of Genesis says that the, the angels came to earth and took wives of them, uh, the, the, the daughters of man, what you're claiming yeah. is, is this wasn't angels, it wasn't spirits, it was aliens that yeah. came to earth. And they yeah. bred with. They look the with... same as us. I mean, I know we refer to them as aliens, but um, they look the same as us. They evolved the same as us. Well, what I mean by alien so they... is they weren't born here on Earth and exactly. evolved here on Earth. We're not so. naturally evolved human beings, as I refer to. <laughs> right, right. All right. Well, we'll just we'll just go with that. So, um, they came to Earth, or at least Adam did. This this character from the ship. But he was left here. Yeah. He was left here, and he bred with at least one human female, produced these hybrid uh, yep. creatures, which then when they returned, they the, the members of the ship wanted to destroy. 
Yeah, but they had some more, um, uh, some of the crew, um, uh, they referred to them in the Book of Enoch as fallen angels, angels that fell for the daughters of man. And they had to get rid of them as well. They why do you think an advanced race would come to Earth and then decide to stay and breed? Would would they not have well, women of no, their own? That's, that's well, well, that's the question. See, that made me think because there's no mention of any of the angels being female. They are all men. So have they come from a male-dominated planet? And that's why there's been this fascination with the angels that fell for the daughters of man. They've not had this interaction before. Well, then why didn't they just all stay and breed mm -hmm. as much as they wanted? Exactly, which would, which clearly was not part of the directive. I mean, that they would have been given instructions the same as we are, or we all accept. That's mm. why they come back to try and sort out the mess. Because there's a bit in the book of Enoch where Enoch was shown a vision of a man on trial. Um, again, I haven't got that bit with me at the moment, but clearly someone was, it was important for them to show Enoch this person was the person responsible and he was put on trial from where they were from. I see. Okay. Well, let's, Move the conversation along uh, to uh, in an, a, a subtly different uh, direction. Um, <laughs> let me ask you this, and uh, this is your your perspective, your your personal opinion on. Now, you you didn't grow up religious at all, so nope. what is your opinion on uh, various other things, various other superstitions like things uh, such as uh, like voodoo and witchcraft or um uh not cosmology what's what's the other one uh oh yeah astrology astrology that's the one and um you know the chinese have their their own uh stories of the gods the the, the, yep. the japanese have their stories of the uh, you know um ancestor spirits they're sort of looking at that as a whole uh that that the supernatural claims where there are these deities or spirits in this other realm that can affect this realm how, how do you view uh do you view it all the same do you view some of them different than others maybe see some as um, having more of a claim or better evidence what's your what's your position no. on that um i i don't um adhere to any of it it's um i mean caroline likes reading the stars every morning to see what they've written as to what should be happening during the course of the day um um, and I dare say there are people out there that do experience what um, is being written. Um, but um, no, I've never, I've never gone with that. That's all down to cultural beliefs. I mean, they're, they're massive in a lot of countries, and um, that that's similar, I suppose, in some ways to what um, religion was in this country, believing in God. So do you see them as anything different? Do you view, say, Christianity as different from uh, witchcraft or different from a belief in a spirit realm? Do you see any distinguishing differences? Uh, the church had a lot more money. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, they certainly <laughs> did. I mean, that's... Um, when you go to... Um, um, I mean, I've visited... Um, uh, things like uh, York Minster in Yorkshire. I mean, that is a massive building. I mean, the work on it is fantastic, but the church um, never paid for any of it. Um, and when you, it took years, years. I mean, people were working on that uh, as soon as they were old enough to. And in old age, they died working on it. They, they never saw it finished. It took years to build. And um, the rest of the city of York were just in poverty. But the church was being built. The minster was being built. And I just think, um, mm, that's not um, not a, a healthy... I mean, the church has got a lot of things to answer for over the years. 
um, which is done all in the name of God. Um, it's, uh, and it's things like that that I just, nah, that, that's, that's, that's wrong. That's wrong. And there's, there's the, but the others don't have that sort of thing. I mean, when you say about the, the different um, uh, spiritual things, they're not, there's, there is some money being made, but it's not the way the church was making money over the years. Well, I was referring specifically to their claims, like the Christian yeah. church claiming that that a man was born of a virgin, died and uh, rose from the dead, uh, whereas mm. you can find, say, some cult somewhere who, uh, like uh, the Heaven's Gate cult, I think they were the ones in Texas or in, in the state somewhere, and they, they believed that uh, aliens were real and there was an alien ship that flew in the tail of a comet, and when it flew yeah, over the earth, that all they yeah. had to do was die, and their spirits would be reborn inside this alien spacecraft. I mean, <laughs> these are these are supernatural claims. Now, one is a group of you know twenty nine people, and the other one is a group of uh, twenty nine billion over the course of you know three thousand years. Um, but what I'm what I'm focused on is where do you see their claims? Does one have a more solid claim than the other, or, or are they all in the same boat? Uh, as, as a job, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out the answer. That trying to figure out the answer. Um, I can remember those people doing that, and I can remember the bit on the news about it as well. Because didn't they take cyanide or something? Uh, they, I, I don't remember if it was cyanide. It might have been, but it's it's where the joke, the meme comes from about don't drink the Kool Aid. Because that's mm -hmm. what they mixed it in with Kool-Aid, and they all drank it and died, and and uh, you know the authorities just simply discovered a house full of bodies, and they yeah. honestly truly believed in their heart that this was going to happen. Otherwise, they and some of these people gave up friends, family, their job, they gave up their children to join this cult because they really truly honestly believed, just as you know followers of Christ truly honestly believe that he was a real person, he was really the Son of God, really died, really rose from the dead, and they're going to go to heaven. So uh, both of these claims are supernatural claims. Both of them have a, law, uh, have a group of followers. So is one claim more <laughs> likely than another? Yeah, I... Mm, no. I... Um... I had a phrase I used to use um, for people who got um, caught into um, these um, things um, that they were very weak-minded. Um, in other words, they were open, um, susceptible to uh, claims by people that this was going to happen. Uh, hence, they'd end up following this religious line if you like direction but uh, no I think the general bulk of the human race is intelligent enough now to understand things better um, when someone describes something happening or they see something happen they have an understanding of things I mean, we, we could, and I'm going to go back to my way of thinking again, but we could build a flying saucer now. And if you just, for the first time, saw it flying, you'd probably be able to work out yourself how that was being kept in the air. Um, you'd know it wasn't magic. You know there'd be some technical wizardry with jet engines, rocket pad, whatever, that was keeping it in the air. Computer control, gyros, whatever. You'd have an idea of how this thing was flying. Other, those that were not or more susceptible to these religious cults, if you like, would probably think it's magic and the work of a god. Um, because, as I say, I refer to them as being somewhat weak-minded. They haven't um, uh, taken on board 
the rest of the things that are happening in the world. Why do you think they are not doing that? What what's what's stopping them? What how do you what are you referring to there? When you said they're not taking on board things that are happening in the rest of the world, yeah. what what do you think is blocking them from doing that? Um, I think it's uh, what they've grown up with. Um, that's like um, uh, I think it was a couple of years ago. Um, uh, they were they they come across a a tribe of um, people in a in a jungle. That had never had contact with any other part of the human race. They were living, and they'd only just recently found these people. I think it was about three years ago, was it? Three, four years ago, and they flew over them in a helicopter, and you could see them on the ground. They were still living in huts, and they had no electricity or anything like that. They wouldn't have. They're not connected to any other part of the world. And they won't know what else is going on in the world. They're in their own little bubble, if you like. And all they understand and know is what they've grown up with in that area. Right, how would you... if, if you suddenly produced a portable television or iPhone or something and showed them images on, they would be stunned. They wouldn't know how it was being... They'd have no idea how that image was appearing on this little thin pad. How would you say, um, then, in the case of people that are living in, uh, say, Western advanced societies, yet yeah. they, they simply they do the same thing? They block out uh, evidence and reason and logic and still focus primarily on the spiritual or the, the afterlife. Yeah. When, when they're given all this evidence that it, that it may or may not actually be true, and so it, it doesn't support their claim. They, they still stand in the same boat saying, no, this world isn't important, it's the afterlife that's important. How, 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 what do you think is stopping them from accepting it? Uh, as a good, as a job to, uh, again, to explain that, it's, um, it's... Well, how do you do it? How, how do you... I do it. Yeah, how? I mean, you've obviously done the research in the at least the Abrahamic languages, uh, and languages in the Abrahamic religions. Why do you not accept their truths, as many believers do? Um, perhaps I'm more um, focused or more interested in uh, here and now. The, what's happening around the world now in, in different fields of technology and um, space travel, sending satellites out in beyond our own solar system um, and accepting that that's what's happening. For example, there are still people who question whether we actually landed on the moon. There's still people who think, hmm, did we really? I mean, to me, there is no question about it. We landed, but there's still question that I accept it, perhaps. That's why I'm uh, thinking the way I do, taking on board what's happening around me. But as you say, other people in certain religions, something happens, they'll, no, no, that's not real. That's magic. Someone set that up. And, and that's perhaps the difference. Why do you, and you can go into as much detail as you like, why do you not accept religious claims? Because it's very clear in uh, the, the, the three Abrahamic books that we have a soul, we have a spirit, and it was put here by God. And at least two of them, it's very important, or in fact the most important thing of your that you should focus on in your life right now on this planet is what the destination is of that spirit after you die. Now, people will steadfastly, with no hesitation, no doubt, claim that they're absolutely certain of a heaven and hell. And heaven is the, the absolute best uh, location to end up with, with ha uh, hell being the absolute worst location. Why do you not accept their claims? 
Uh, because there, there isn't either. I mean, um, I've always accepted that um, when you die, you're worm food, and that's the end of it. The lights go out, it's game over. Um, uh, I had a bad road traffic accident a number of years ago, 1987 in fact, and um, there was a period between the accident happening and me coming round, if you like, in hospital, um, where there was nothing, nothing at all. There's no memory, nothing whatsoever. You didn't see a light at the end of a tunnel or see your friends and family convincing you that there was a, a heaven or a hell or... No, nothing at all. Um, I sustained a head injury to the left side of my forehead, um, which the doctor said if it had been another, I think it was another two millimetres, I'd have been paralysed. If it had been another four millimetres, I'd have been dead um, from the impact. Um, and my your brain shuts itself down, it turns the memory off, and there's literally nothing whatsoever. I've got no memory of impact, nothing whatsoever. Well, let me ask you this. If you did, if you did, if you did have something happen, yeah. and you remembered it, and it was something along the lines of um, uh, individuals or some kind of light or spirit, uh, influencing you to believe that there was a heaven or was a hell or was a god because so many people tell the same story. They were in some kind of accident um, and then they, while they were unconscious or while you know they claimed that they died, at least for a few moments, that they saw heaven or they saw God. And, the, and these are people who are skeptics or atheists or uh, not devoted to religion at all or perhaps just a, a slight amount, maybe cultural instead of uh, uh, religious. But once this happened, it totally changed their life. They began to completely devote themselves in every way, shape, and form to spreading this message. Now, would you say that if you had an experience like that, would you have done a complete 180, a complete turnaround, and started to preach this to other people? Or would you... <laughs> Or would you have a different reaction? I'd probably have a different reaction. I'd probably want to know why, why I experienced it. What was what causes it? What part of my brain was um, uh, touched, if you like, that could have triggered it off? Um, but certainly in my case, there was absolutely nothing, nothing whatsoever. But what I was going to get to the point of was that um, when I uh, eventually went back to work. And was sitting with my colleagues, and they were asking me about this, and I was telling them that there was nothing there. I made the comment, I could have just as well have been dead, because there was literally nothing there, nothing whatsoever, no light. That's like it was turned off, and then the next time I know, I've, I've come round and they're putting stitches in the side of my head, well, and in what... between, in between, there's nothing. And I think, as you say, if I had have experienced something where there'd been a light and there'd been people there and I'd seen people that perhaps were dead or whatever, I would have wanted to question it. What would you I say to someone who did experience something like that and was trying to tell you that that experience led them to uh, Allah or led them to God or Christ? And they're trying to convince I mean, you. What would you tell them? I would imagine if you was to experience something like that, that could end. Like I referred to earlier on as having weak minds, that could very easily turn you to believing that there was something else after death. But I'd be wanting to know, as I said, what part of my brain triggered that off? What made me see those images? But um, in my case... There was absolutely nothing. And that's my view of what death's going to be like. Um, and I also make the comment that um, I'm, I'm not scared of death. 
I'm scared of where I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd like to be asleep. <laughs> yeah, I think most people would prefer thing. <laughs> prefer That's if it was quiet and asleep. And uh, I think yeah. there's a there's an old poem or something. The best we can hope for is to die in our sleep. Yeah, something like that. All right. Well, let me let me ask you. Um, I'm moving in a, a slightly different uh, direction. As an atheist, as someone who doesn't accept uh, supernatural claims without without some evidence, obviously, um, how do you view things like uh, patriotism and nationalism and and things of that nature that people have for their countries? Is do you have a, a perspective on that? Um, yeah, uh, there are people that are very um, uh, devoted to their countries. Devote, uh, just before I come up to talk to you on here, they had the uh, Trooper of the Colour in London. They were showing it on the TV. And um, there's, there's, there's their, there's their um, procession is moving past the Queen, who's obviously the central figure. Um, these soldiers on horseback are all turning and looking at the Queen. And I think they, these men have signed up to give their life for that woman, regardless for this country and for that woman, the realm. And you have bodyguards that are, <laughs> are prepared to do the same thing, to put themselves in front of someone else with a gun and take the bullet for another person. And again, for this country. And I, I, I can understand that some people will, well, they'll be trained, for one thing. It will be drummed into them. And that's part of their training when they join the armed forces. As it would be for any American soldier. Well, outside of this, the soldier aspect, I'm, um, I'm referring specifically to just a regular citizen. Do you think that a devotion to a nation state in and of itself serves a purpose as as an atheist someone who doesn't believe in a higher power because obviously the queen is the head of the church and uh, originally um the head of the state so what yeah. purpose does it serve to devote yourself to a country or a nation or a state as an atheist mm. um, i've never i know she is the head of the church in this country but um i've that's weird. I've never, I've just viewed him as the head of the country, the realm. Of, um, and I just, um, again, it's a group of people that they are religious. Um, they do believe in God. Um, it, it's, it's straight, I know, it's a job to switch. I tend to switch that part off. When <laughs> <laughs> they start, when they, they start going on, television and um, they end with um, thank God we're all here and I'm thinking nope that's not <laughs> that's not why I'm thinking um, but they always tend to end with that and I'm sort of sitting at home watching the time and I think oh, oh dear and I'll, I'll move the sound or I'll switch over to another channel it does um, frust not frustrate me annoy me a little bit but I know it's a bit weird that um, and I, I have fun with uh, my wife about it, uh, that everyone hasn't got the same view and opinion as I have, <laughs> and they should have, <laughs> which is the same as other, other people believe they, I should have the same opinion as them in what they believe in. But um, I'll let them go on with it. We're, we're all entitled to our own views and opinions. I and... Will. I, I suppose uh, this whole thing, it stems back to that teacher, that lecturer, Herr Muller. If he hadn't got me to um, read that book, I would have never have bothered sort of looking into things, because up until that point, I was, I was neither one thing or another. I'd go to church, but, you know, when someone was getting married or anything, I wasn't religious, but then again, I didn't necessarily completely disbelieve. I thought there was always something there, but I don't know. The fact that it was spread around the world, you know, it's, it's, all, it's all his fault. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, let me, let me ask you one final question. Um, what, what 
aspect do you think being an atheist uh, lends to support your life? What's the what's the biggest thing that you would say as a non-believer of any particular faith or religion helps your life move forward or makes it better? Um, um, I was going to say nothing, really. It doesn't change. Um, and I don't think if I was a very, if I was a very religious person, um, whether it be any different apart from going to church on Sundays. <laughs> but no, I don't think. Yes, no, it, it doesn't. It doesn't really. I don't think it makes any difference. No, would you, would you say it doesn't make any difference because you've never been devoted to any uh, spiritual guide or source? That could be. That could be uh, the root of it, I suppose. To, 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 to go a little further into that, when I've, when I've spoken to, to atheists in the past, um, they, they actually make a big deal about uh, this sort of thing when it comes to their, their worldview, their view of people, their view of uh, time, uh, history, their view of uh, places and, 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 and occurrences. It, it actually does make a big deal when at some point in their life in the past they were shrouded in their devotion to a religion and once that ended because that gave them a set of rules a set of uh, obligations to follow but once that ended then everything looked different they reacted to things different and they they could go into a lot of detail um, uh, microscopic detail on all the things that changed and how mm -hmm. they felt about it making them better but what you're saying is uh, that nothing is different, but you're also uh, in in a situation where you never grew up with those rules and regulations forced on you and expectations of you from a spiritual or a religious direction. Is that is that what you're implying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is. Yeah. Now, I I dare say if my parents had both been very religious, then that would have been rubbed off on me. And um, I would have initially followed that as well. I mean, I can remember my dad calling me a rebel sometimes because of the comments I'd be making when I was young. Because I used to question things. And um, if there was anything, I'd question it. I'd want to know. I want to know the reason. And um, they couldn't always give me that answer. But uh, he called me a rebel. I can remember him doing that because I was asking a lot of questions. Or I was questioning certain simple aspects. Um. And I think on one one occasion we were sitting at the table, and I, I forget. I, I don't know why I burped, or my dad burped and said pardon, and my mum said that's rude, and I made the comment, "Well, who said it's supposed to be rude then? Who decided that was a rude thing to do?" And then that was like, and that's when I, I first remember my dad referring to me as being a rebel because I was questioning things. Oh, you were definitely questioning their authority at that point. <laughs> so uh leaving leaving on one particular note is because out there and um i'm certain at some point we'll listen to this conversation there are individuals who are living in and uh a religious umbrella perhaps with their parents or their their um environment socially is there any advice that you would give them to essentially letting go of that uh, religious dogma and devotion and embracing a life that an atheist would call a free thinker. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Just um, start taking on board what's happening in other parts of the world, uh, what's happening outside the world um, with science. Yeah, question things is another thing to do. You want to break out, but yeah, take on board um, what's happening around the world, and um, there's, there's elements of um, uh, life on this planet that and death that uh, would make you question the work of any god when you see what happens. Uh, I think it was um, Stephen Fry made the comment, and he always 
questions God by saying about why did he produce this um, little ant that buries its egg in the body of another living creature, another insect, which then grows inside and then eats its way out to come into this world. And he said, why would a God make something like that? And that's because um, a lot of people, I mean, religious people, people who are into religion, you know, don't have a bad word to say about what God has made. They won't question that sort of thing. No, no. All right. Well, that's excellent advice. Uh, Steve, mm. thank you very much for coming on the show and uh, telling us about your life and your experiences and your viewpoint. Okay. And um, I hope you have a wonderful afternoon. Yeah, thanks for having us. You're very welcome. Bye-bye.